My husband was working, he lost his job, and we became homeless. Um, when we first got here, uh, we slept up in our car for three days. Um, we came to the Salvation Army, and they told me I had to call 211, and I told um, one of the caseworkers, I said, please, get someone out here. Me and my kids been in the car for two, two to three days. I need to speak to someone. And that's when um, a caseworker had came out and spoke to me, and she let me know, you know what, hey, if a family don't come at this time, they would have room for me and my kids. I ran out of food for my kids and I was running out of gas to keep the car going, you know, to keep it hot up in the car for my kids. And I had to come here. And when I came here, I, you know, they helped me. They opened a the door for me. They made room for me and my family. And, and we're a big family. We're a family of six, you know. Since I've been here, you know, they showed nothing but love and support. I didn't even want to call my mom, my dad, you know, they could have helped me, but I just, my pride, you know, just being up in this situation, period, it was a letdown to my family, to me, you know, to my kids. I felt like I was a bad mom from going through this. In the blink of an eye, my husband lost his job. I wasn't working, so everything was on him, and we blank of an eye. When I say a blank of an eye, everything got stripped from us. Everything. And it was, that was the most hurtful feeling, just knowing everything you worked for and everything was there. Brand new house full of furniture. Everything just got taken from us. Everything. So you're at a stepping stone now. Yeah. How are things looking here forward? <sighs> everything is amazing. We'll be moving out of here soon. You know, I had got a job, my husband got a job, he got his CDLs, my kids in school, everything going good, you what know. What a great Christmas present, right? A great Christmas <laughs> present. So what is your message to people that may be facing a situation similar to yours? What would you say to them right now? You going through the last couple of months, Yeah. what would your message be to those people? I would say have faith. If there's help out there, get that help, you know, because you can't do everything on your own. And if someone is willing to help you, get that help. Just get that help. That's all I can say. If I had to do it all over again, I would probably wouldn't do it any other way because I needed everything that has been taught to me and that I have learned. My name is Ricardo Hurd. I was born here in Milwaukee. I found myself without a home. I went through um, a series of events in my life that started like in uh, 2012. I had like a major heart attack at Marquette while I was uh, working. I had insurance, but it wasn't, you know, really, really good insurance. And I had a hospital bill of $134,000. Just trying to keep up with the bills, pay the rent, buy groceries. But, you know, I still try to keep my head above the water. I had a fiance that uh, died from sickle cell anemia. And just once I recovered from the heart attack and her death, and it, it, it just all took a toll on me. I just started having problems trying to cope. Someone told me about the Salvation Army. 
But I really, you know, I was like, ah, you know, that's that's more or less for, you know, like people that's like really bad. You know? Yeah, yeah. And a friend told me, like, you're really bad. Oh, you know? <laughs> was that eye-opening when they said, you're really bad? Yes. Yeah. You know, yes, it was. You know, and I had to take a real hard look at myself yeah. and say, I need help. I, I, I dealt with a lot of issues of male pride. I didn't want to have anybody, you know, uh, tell me what to do or, or I didn't want to be judged by, you know, the things that happened to me. You know, I lost my apartment, I lost my car, you know, I lost my source of income. This is sort of a stepping stone to where you want to be next. Yes. What has this experience taught you being homeless and, I guess, hope for the future? It's taught me a little humility. It's taught me that you know, I'm not the only person in this situation. That um, through my experience and you know being here, I can uplift someone just by you know my daily walk in life. That it isn't as bleak as I thought it was, you know. And I have something to offer, and that if I polish it up and you know let it be seen, you know that someone may pay attention to that shine and come forth, you know. Yeah, so a lot of people, they, they don't really realize um, what this building is. Maybe they've driven by it because it's so close to downtown. Uh, but the emergency lodge started in 1979. It was an old motel, and uh, the army bought it for a dollar from the city. So it works out where all the rooms have um, their own bathrooms, so there's four people per room. Uh, families can have their own room if there's a big family of more than six. Uh, since it was a motel and with the conjoining doors, we can open it up to have a big family in there. Um, but yeah, it's basically a 24-7 facility. Uh, we're helping out as many people as we can. We have about 120 beds here um, with a couple extra cribs or extra pack and plays. We can keep a couple more families in here, but um, people get in here through 2-on-1. They call 2-on-1 and 2-on-1 places people here. And then we also have DLC referrals, um, people coming out of the corrections facilities, and then hospitals. We have a respite program for people who need that care who are homeless coming out of a hospital setting. What's your um, capacity right now? You said 120, 120 beds, but yep. uh, how many people are staying here now? Uh, we are currently um, we're just about full. Um, we, especially this time of year, um, it's it's everyone thinks that you know, oh, summertime is less busy. No, we're we're always we're always full. Um, it doesn't matter what time of year. Do you have a length of time that people can stay here? It's typically 30 to 90 days, um, but I mean sometimes within that 30 to 90. It can be a little tough. Um, so if someone gets approved for like Section 8 housing, but then nothing opens up for another two months or something. So if people are working at the program, we can definitely keep you here a little bit longer. But yeah, it's typically a 30 to 90 day stay. Do people become, is it like family? Do people just become, you, you meet together, you, do you eat together? How yeah, does that so work? We, have th we have three meals a day. Uh, we have a full-time kitchen staff that works 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, every day, um, seven days a week. Um, so uh, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We have bag lunches for people going to appointments or going to work, so they're not going hungry there. Uh, we can save a hot meal for those people. Um, yeah, we have a, a mental health counselor on site. So if someone's saying, hey, I just need to talk to someone, uh, that person's available for them. We have a, a clinic on site too. It's funded through Aurora. So um, any people, anyone who stays here, they can go get seen by uh, a nurse who's a full-time uh, staff member of Aurora, but we also have doctors and other nurses who volunteer their time. And then people in the community can come here as well. So it's not just open to the people who live here, it's open for the, the community. And then we also have um, the children's program. Uh, any um, kid who, uh, who stays here is mandated to go to school. So the school district provides bus transportation. And then uh, when they come back after school, we have an after school program. Our children's uh, development uh, director and the family uh, social worker are really great. Uh, make sure the kids go to school. We uh, check attendance. We check grades. And we see improvement in the kids who stay here. We have roughly 25 to 35 kids here at a time. Um, so we see their, their grades improve. Uh, they, they're really kind of 
um, shy or nervous when they first start out here. By the time um, they, they get out and they get their own place with their, their, their family, they don't want to leave here because it's something that's so comfortable, it's something they know. Uh, we try to do a lot of fun things for them, take them to those bounce house zones, uh, to go to Bucks games, Brewers games. Uh, the Bucks are really good about giving us tickets. The Brewers give us tickets. So just to make it fun for the people who stay here. Mm-hmm. I can imagine it's difficult for the parents, but it's difficult for the children. Yeah, especially, I mean, since this was a motel, the little kids um, who stay here, they don't necessarily get what homelessness is and what they're going through. So they, they think of it as a motel, so they call it the hotel. Uh, but for the teens, you know, it's, it's really difficult. They don't want to tell their friends, you know, where they're staying. So we just want to, like I said, do a lot of fun activities with them just to make sure that when they grow up, they can say, hey, you know, I stayed at the Salvation Army and I stayed at home in the shelter and it wasn't bad. We had, we had a great time. We provide them with all like the, the school supplies, the clothes, um, come prom time if they need a prom dress or a tux, we help them with that uh, just to make sure they have that. Everything that their friends have, they have when they, they stay here. What are some of the biggest challenges that you see here at the shelter? Yeah, just um, uh, services, trying to get people hooked up with the correct services, um, and especially if we're full, trying to find, um, you know, there's very limited shelter beds in Milwaukee. So, you know, and, we're, and you're having to turn people away or people call and say, oh, call 211 to try and get in here because we're full. And then they say, well, um, all the shelters are full in Milwaukee. It's just, it, it's difficult to, so to have, you know, more shelter beds would be great. I, you know, there's so much that goes into that with, with funding and all that, but um, just to, Try and get donations here. Um, everything's free of charge to the residents. All the toiletries, the linens, um, clothing. This time of year, hats, gloves uh, for adults and kids. We couldn't do that without the, the public support. We're seeing populations grow that grow, and we're seeing populations shrink. Um, we're seeing veteran homelessness go down to where we have uh, approximately two actual veterans that are on the street. We've, uh, this last two years has been, the strength has been that we've pushed our resources to housing veterans. Um, and so we have right now documented two veterans that are actually on the street that are not fully housed. And we have to be clear on population. So you're talking about families, men, singles, single women, and youth that are homeless. I know there in recent days there's been attention brought to encampments or little tent cities around the community. What is the city doing about the concerns there? Yeah, I think I think the tents really just brought to the front of what the situation is. You know, the, the optics of a tent is not the optics of someone who you might not see passing in a vehicle. Um, so there, like you said, there's over 200 people that in the city and in the greater area that are homeless on the street. The tents brought attention to it. Uh, what we found in doing outreach, and actually my office has a number of individuals who go out with a lot of the outreach groups from the county and various nonprofit groups. And we're, when we say out, we mean they're going on uh, not your typical nine to five hours. They're going, you know, starting at two o'clock in the morning and going actually to these encampments we're finding that a lot of these encampments with the tents, maybe one out of three of those tents is actually occupied. A lot of it is being used for storage, um, which, you know, like you and I, we have things. And so if the tents are handed out in abundance, um, that's what happens. You mentioned some of the services being provided to the homeless. What are some of those services the city is providing to kind of go out? And you mentioned uh, different hours and stuff, obviously, later at night. Well, the reason why the outreach has been stepped up is that uh, unlike a lot of cities that are dealing with 
this encampment issue and number of people on the street is that Milwaukee County, through their housing authority, has provided uh, up to uh, 100 vouchers for individuals who are uh, currently homeless. So 73 of those vouchers have actually been, um, they're being, they've been activated and they're case managed, those individuals are case managed to receive um, permanent housing. Um, in addition to that, 30 of the individuals from the encampment have been housed in the last two weeks with St. Anthony's Apartments, which uh, just recently had a soft opening for um, individuals that are homeless. Uh, another one is going to be the Veteran Gardens, which is a part of the West Lawn development on Silver Spring, 60th and Silver Spring. That actually has dedicated units for veterans. Uh, attached to it. I know this is a very complex problem around the county and the city. What are, just so people know, what are some of the underlying causes for those who face chronic homelessness? Yeah, that has actually been uh, one of our biggest targets is chronic homeless because those individuals actually tax the system the most because of their usage. Um, we are right now uh, working with, you know, the mental health and the AOTA. Uh, the alcohol and other drug side of those chronic individuals, but our preference has been through our Housing First program through the Milwaukee County um, to house chronic individuals. So those chronic numbers are severely down. One of our shining moments was that we opened what's called wet housing, which allows for individuals who actually have not stopped typically using drugs or alcohol it's called the Third Good Apartments. It's located right on 6th Street. Those, we had a ground opening for that about, uh, about 15 months ago. 